This is Oncology Republic, I'm Felicity Nelson. On today's episode, we are talking with CEO of Cancer Australia, Dorothy Keith. Dorothy and Cancer Australia are leading the development of the recently announced Australia Cancer Plan. The plan will set out key national priorities and action areas for the next 10 years, with a core focus on improving outcomes for Australians affected by cancer. One of our freelance journalists, Ben Falkemeyer, sat down for a chat with Dorothy in Cancer Australia's Sydney office to find out more. You recently held the first uh, ministerial roundtable for the plan in Canberra. I understood it took some time to come about. Can you tell us a little bit about its development? Yes, we were asked by the minister to hold a roundtable to take the first steps in developing an Australian cancer plan. And obviously, you can't do that overnight. So we did have to do some serious planning, which is why it took a few months to get it organised. I think that was complicated slightly by the COVID-19 situation and the fact that the Minister wanted the roundtable to be held face-to-face in Canberra, if possible. So we were delighted that 65 cancer experts, and I mean experts in terms of experience, consumers, lobbyists, Indigenous people, people from across the healthcare sector, cancer treating doctors, cancer researchers, absolutely everybody came, and they mostly came face-to-face. As I said, we spent a bit of time planning the day, and I think we ended up with a very successful meeting. What did you talk about on the day? We first of all talked about why we needed an Australian cancer plan, and then we asked people from every area of cancer to talk about what a cancer plan meant for them and what their priorities would be. So, for example, Australia has the best cancer outcomes in the world, but they're not uniform across the country. We have worse outcomes in our Indigenous population, we have worse outcomes in our lower socioeconomic groups, and we have worse outcomes the further you live from a city. So if you want to improve cancer outcomes overall in Australia, you have to fix those areas. Our first talk was from the Health Consumer Alliance. We asked them what consumers wanted. Our second talk was from our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander leadership group in cancer control because we want to know what we need to do to improve outcomes in those populations. And then we had, you know, the sort of more traditional cancer researchers, cancer treating doctors, talking about what it meant to them and what their priorities were. And so we had a wide-ranging discussion about what the principles were, what the plan should be, and how, in fact, we would develop it. With the focus being equity of outcome? Yes, equity of outcome. Not equity of input and not equity of output, but equity of outcome. So that we basically say every person in Australia deserves to have access to the best quality health care in the broadest possible sense that leads to the best outcomes from cancer. It's a big project bringing all these people together. Can you just talk us through how those two years you imagine will proceed? So Cancer Australia is Australia's government lead agency in cancer. So our role is to lead cancer control and to improve outcomes for people and to reduce the impact of cancer on people. So this is a perfect role for us to develop an Australian cancer plan. And it is the first of its kind Australian cancer plan. However, we should note that there are cancer plans in most states and territories. So we're not reinventing the wheel here. What we want to do here is create a plan that encompasses all of those jurisdictional plans but adds value to them and does the things that the jurisdictions can't do individually that are best done by everyone together. 
two really key things about this for me are that it has to be focused with the consumer at the centre and improving Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cancer outcomes. And in order to do those things, you have to speak to those people and listen to those people. So uh, the reason we've said two years is I mean, we could sit in the back of the room and write a plan that would be a very good plan, but it wouldn't be owned by the people it's needed by. So what we're going to do is we're going to spend the first year consulting. We'll set up a steering committee that'll have all the different stakeholder groups represented. It won't have everybody. You can't have you know, 500 people on the steering committee, but we will have everything represented, and we will go out and consult with all of the people that need to be consulted. So we'll be consulting with the consumers, we'll be consulting with the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities, the culturally and linguistically diverse communities, the health prevention people, jurisdictional health departments, the lobby groups, different cancer tumour groups, the doctors, the nurses... Everybody who's involved in cancer is going to be consulted. Now, that clearly has to take a long time. You can't do that overnight. So that's the first year. And then the second year is synthesising everything that they've told us and creating a plan which has goals, measurable, achievable outcomes, a two-, five-, and ten-year plan. And, of course, the big area where everyone always falls down is in implementation and evaluation. So we have to build those into the plan. So that second year is going to be just as busy as the first because we're going to have to develop what the plan actually looks like and then how we implement it, how we evaluate it, and how we hold ourselves to account. Is that second year done in the same consultative way, or is that more in-house? That's an interesting question. I don't think I've got the answer to that yet. The bulk of the consultation will be done in the first year, but I would envisage consultation will have to be an iterative process and it will go on through. But there will have to be a lot more taking the consultation and analysing it and putting it into places in that second year. Cancer Australia had a strategic plan for 2014 to 2019. I've spoken with some industry people who were not aware of that plan. Do you get a sense why they were not aware? And can you tell us how are you going to ensure this plan gets the awareness that it deserves? So, yes, Cancer Australia has had a strategic plan previously, but to a certain extent that was a plan for Cancer Australia, and this is a plan for cancer. We're changing our focus, and Cancer Australia has always been focused on the whole of Australia, so I'm not taking anything away from that. It's just that it's building on the work that's been done before. And I think, as I said before about the evaluation, people don't always know what's going on. And part of that is because we don't sell the messages properly, and part of it is because people aren't actually engaged in what's happening. And the people who are interested in cancer change over time. You know, out in the community, if there's no cancer in your immediate um, family or friendship group, you're probably not as interested in cancer as if your mother's just been diagnosed or your best friend's been diagnosed. So, so people change their areas of interest over time. So our job is to make sure that everybody knows about this, that this is a whole-of-nation activity. Are you open to involve some stakeholders in the writing of goals, implementation, evaluation? Well, I'm rather hoping they're going to tell us what they are. I mean, you know, absolutely. If I were going to do it the other way around and make it my plan that I was going to write, I could do it now. That's not how I operate. This is consumer-focused with the patient at the centre. So I'm going to ask everybody... In fact, I was thinking about this just recently. Don't hold me to this exactly, but... 
If you colour code every different stakeholder in this plan and you ask every different stakeholder in this plan, what do you want from a cancer plan? What are your goals? What are the measurable things that I need to do? Or whatever the top 10 questions are. And then when you come to create the plan, you bring all of that in so that you can show every individual where their colours flow through the plan in a three-dimensional way, then you can guarantee that you're actually listening to everyone and you're hearing everyone's voice. Now, I can't guarantee that they're all going to agree with each other or that everyone is going to say we need this goal. And of course, our job is going to have to be to work out what the balance is across those areas because, you know, there are some interested parties who'd like all the money to be put in one particular area if there is any money. We can't do that. We have to broaden it out to every aspect of cancer, from prevention, early detection, screening, diagnostics, therapy, after-treatment care, supportive care, end-of-life care, survivorship. And then we have to overlay all of the different research techniques and all of the different health literacy issues, for example. There's data is a big part of it. I mean, this is actually a very big area and a lot of very vested interests with a bit of a one-track mind but my job is to actually encompass the whole small job obviously. Speaking of money will the plan talk about funding? I'm seeing it currently in three different buckets of funding. There's a bucket of funding that is money that's actually already in the system we just need to change the way we behave. There are things we could do that wouldn't cost anything if we just did them. We know what to do in certain areas, we just don't always do it. So that's one bucket of money. A second bucket of money is from stopping doing the things that we know don't work and freeing up money in the system. So there is a bit of wastage in healthcare, you may have heard occasionally mentioned. And then obviously there's a third bucket, which would be new funding. But I don't think you can talk about that without talking about the other two. We have to spend the health dollar wisely. It's public money. And we have to make sure that before we ask for more money, we are using the money we have properly. Once this plan's up and running, what role would you like to see this plan performing in the cancer community in Australia? I'd like to see the cancer plan reaching the whole community and being held to account over improving outcomes. So I'd, I'd like to see everyone who's operating in the area of cancer checking that they are performing against the requirements of that plan. You mentioned plan will address equity of outcome for patients like Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Will it also address rare cancers? There's no person with cancer who's more or less important than any other person with cancer in Australia. So we have to try to fix the inequities of outcome for whatever cancer it is. There's a often collaboration between rare and poor outcome, but it's not actually a straight line connection. You know, there are some common cancers that don't have good outcomes, like lung cancer, very common, very poor outcomes. And there are some rarer cancers that have very good outcomes. So it's not actually about how rare your cancer is. It's about the outcomes of your cancer. And that's what I'd like to fix. Treatment options for patients have expanded rapidly. How will the plan address them? Treatment options do expand, and we have a very good system in Australia for providing those treatment options. Now, I know that some people don't necessarily believe that, but one of the reasons we have the best healthcare outcomes in the world is that we do actually get access to the things we need to treat our patients. 
I think we should celebrate the good things and continue to evolve our systems to fund the things that need to be funded. Now, what I would say there, though, is that you have to look at the whole system, and this may not please everybody, but we have to look at the benefit that comes from a particular treatment in terms of healthcare of a nation. Our healthcare system is funded largely by government and by some out-of-pocket expenses. So the state governments fund the public hospital systems, the Commonwealth government funds Medicare. If you just let the healthcare costs globally continue to expand, you will end up bankrupting the country. So we can't do that. We actually have a social responsibility to say what we can and can't afford. Sometimes we have to say, no, we can't afford to spend $100,000 on a drug for one person when there's a group of 100 people that actually need a drug that only costs $1,000. And you've got to make that decision. Now, that's really difficult. My role isn't to say, no, we won't spend money on cancer. My role is to say, let's be responsible about spending the money wisely and let's make sure that we're not bankrupting the country What's a key takeaway you would like our listeners to keep with them? It's a fabulous time to have the permission to develop an Australian cancer plan. And I would like everyone to feel that they can tell us what they want the cancer plan to contain. We already have an Australian cancer plan email address. We'll be setting up a web page. We would like everybody to engage in the development of this plan because it it needs to be owned by the people it's for and it's for the people of Australia. It's not just for our First Nations people, but we have to do better on closing the gap. So it has to be done with them and for them. And we know that if you make it work for our First Nations people, it'll work for everybody. We've shown that many ways. So we really need to make sure that we make it work for them, but for every person with cancer in Australia. Will that be done in partnership with the state bodies? It'll be done in partnership with everybody. We have a leadership group in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Cancer Control within Cancer Australia, some absolutely wonderful Indigenous leaders in healthcare who work with us, and we will be taking their lead on how we do this and working with the Nachos and all the Aboriginal-controlled health organisations around the country to make sure we get this right. You've been in the role of CEO of Cancer Australia for two years now, Are you feeling settled and how different is life as a CEO compared to being on the advisory council? I love my job. I feel like the most fortunate person in the world. Cancer Australia's CEO role brings an ability to use all of my experience and skills. I'm a medical oncologist by training. I've done research over 30 years in supportive care in cancer and I've worked in health reform. And actually those three combined make this job the perfect job for me. Dorothy, thanks for joining us. Absolute pleasure, thank you. You've been listening to the Oncology Republic podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or read more on our website, oncologyrepublic.com.au. Original podcast music by Victoria Nelson.